Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything said here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. It's all in Minecraft, man. It's all in Minecraft. This is episode 149. Um, yeah. Woohoo, 149. Holy crap. We're gonna we're all about to hit, are we gonna do something special for 150 like we did for hundred? Like just every what? fifty episodes no. do a no? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> no, we tried to record you belly dancing and it didn't work and it just it it, it tested terrible. I am so. I am very white, so <laughs> <laughs> I have no rhythm. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's no I mean I mean I you're know. you're very white, but you're not like like putting raisins and potato salad white. Oh, I hate those kinds of white people. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no. What do you do? Why? Why? Why would you? Why would that even occur to you? Like, what? You're looking at this and you're like, oh, we're, we got some starch in here. We got, you know, some, you know, some of the uh, uh, the egg and stuff. We're going to toss that in. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to toss in raisins. What? Why? What's wrong with people? Yeah, like I, I, I would consider throwing the table, like just flipping the table, if I find that at like a cookout. No, that's not allowed. Hell's wrong. <laughs> we were uh, we were joking with Derek. Derek is doing a, a Labor Day barbecue. Um, so she's doing this. She's putting. She put the list on Facebook. It's like, oh, did I miss anything? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you uh, you forgot to take coleslaw off the list. So we got into a conversation about coleslaw. And then about potato salad, <laughs> and of course, dear, it could be a white. We the, the memes came out, you know, about white people and, and potato salad. <laughs> there's like, there's one, there's one of a Karen the the, um, last last summer. Remember the the lady in the blue hoodie, the blue zipper yeah. hoodie on the phone calling. Yeah, so the that was the barbecue Karen here in Oakland. Yeah. Right. So it it was it was her. <laughs> She's like. These people are having a barbecue. They're putting raisins in their potato salad. Send help. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, sending the SWAT team at that point. I didn't care. It just—I'm at that point where if you put if you put raisins in your potato salad, the you deserve to get nuked by the Taliban. I'm so, yeah. just—that's the fact. Yeah, that's—I mean, that's, the—that's uh, that's the fact. It's, it's a Darwinism at this point. Well, there was one there was one a little while ago. There was a meme going around somebody talking about like they had some recipe for like using cauliflower instead of pulled pork for barbecue or something. And I was like, so help me if I come to your barbecue and you serve me what I think is a barbecued pork sandwich and it turns out to be cauliflower. I am burning your house to the ground. (laughs) My cousin puts fucking pineapple bits in the candy yams at Thanksgiving you do that and so instead of putting brown sugar in the candied yams she puts a can of pineapple bits what could the purpose because of that possibly be? because it's a sweetener it's not as bad oh my god 
No. 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 When you're at Thanksgiving, like the point is that you don't care that you are a glutton. And like that, that is the point of Thanksgiving is to just gorge yourself. And why would you No, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. That would be like a fucking vegan Thanksgiving. Like, no, it's, cr- you... it's criminal. It's absolutely should be fucking criminal. Yeah. Like I, you know, that's, that's a, that <laughs> y'all can, all, all I can think of is that, that meme that, Oh fuck, you're going to make me commit a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> It's like miracle whip and coleslaw. Ugh. Why? I mean, it's like I don't like coleslaw to begin with, but like if you're gonna make if you're gonna make coleslaw, worse, miracle whip is the way to go. That's a that's a pretty good way to make people go. Wow, this is even more terrible. That's I mean, I'll eat coleslaw like if I'm eating like a Memphis style sandwich, right, where they throw coleslaw on top of it in the sandwich and it's with other things. I'll eat it then. But if you hand me one of those stupid little plastic containers of coleslaw with my meal, it's you. You might as well just take that and throw that in the trash. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> no, I, I I agree completely. Coleslaw is a war crime. It's just terrible. Like who? Gosh, you know would make this cabbage even better if I just coated in mayonnaise. <laughs> Man- mayonnaise, <laughs> mayonnaise, and sugar and apple yeah. cider vinegar. Like what? It's, it's literally it's literally albino mustard at that point. Yeah, that's a terrible. Uh, why would you do it? I whatever, man. I don't know. I can't really tell. I mean, Wisconsin, we eat cheese curds and everyone looks at us funny until they eat cheese curds. And then they're like, oh, my God, where have these been all my life? So, you know, well, I mean, because they're amazing. Cheese curds <laughs> are, no, are no poutine, but I mean, they're up there. They're pretty freaking fantastic. They're, I mean, when we get, we do poutine here too, though, because we're so close to Canada anyway. Like, a lot of that stuff bleeds over. So, like, we we do that too. We have the brats. Like, we have some of the best German food outside of Germany you're ever going to get because all the Germans settled here. In case you can tell from all of our beer companies, but <laughs> like, it's we're about to start it, having a whole bunch of Afghani food too. Yeah, well, yeah, because um, 45, uh, anyone who doesn't know about 45 minutes north uh, west or sorry, northeast of me is uh, Fort McCoy, uh, which is a huge military base. And that base is the one where all of the Afghani refugees are being brought. Not not all, but like a lot of them. Yeah, like what is it like 7500 or something like that? I think is what I read. Yeah, it's a huge number, and they, most of them, you know, don't speak English, so trying to communicate with them is turning into a nightmare, and they're running into issues where they uh, are not technically, like, legally able to keep them there, so they can, like, just wander away whenever they want. Yeah, that's where uh, that's where our other co-host Christopher's at right now. He was uh, doing some volunteer work, uh, making food and stuff for them. Yep, and that's you know, and that they're putting his, uh, putting his money where his mouth is. Yep, and the OIM is there. Um, has come up here. They've redeployed a bunch of people. OIM is the Office of Integration Management. They're the ones uh, for the UN who manage like refugees and stuff and try and do that. They're up here, and I know that for sure because I had one come into come into my work. Um, unfortunately, he was recalling uh MoneyGram uh like wire transfers to Afghanistan to his family to help them get out. And uh, they the banks are all closed and everyone suspended services there, so they couldn't get the money. And so, like, now this guy's going to be helping all these other people set up in the U.S. and he couldn't even get his own family out. 
Like that's that's what Afghanistan looks like right now. It's just, uh, uh. yeah. Touch subject. I didn't want to really, really want to bring it up, but it kind of got broached. So, yeah, yeah. I know but you're, we're. I know we're you're on the field. A... I know you're on the fields with that one. Yeah. Well, and we're gonna have. You know, I mean, it's gonna be interesting. It's Wisconsin has right now. Um, for some reason, like Wisconsin and Minnesota, a lot of refugees come here. Um, I don't know why well, you would take people from hot areas and bring them to Wisconsin. It depends, depends on where they're where they're at in Afghanistan because um, the, the the larger mountainous regions, the climate in those mountainous regions is similar to what you have there. Yeah, I mean it's a little similar. We're definitely way more humid, um, and the you know we're we're gonna get colder than they are. Um, still and stuff but yeah but it's like like we have tons of somalis there's a ton ton of somalis here um tons of uh cubans <laughs> and <laughs> sorry what yeah there's tons of cubans tons of cubans got okay. brought here um I no idea why that's of all the places that i would if i was a cuban i wouldn't want to go probably somewhere where it gets to like 50 below zero i just 50, 50 below zero with 75 percent humidity oh it's when it gets that cold it's it's even worse because there is no humidity so you wind up with 50 Plus, below zero and the wind blowing which gives you a wind chill of like 70 below sometimes yeah. why do i live where the air is hurting my face oh yeah it's <laughs> when it gets that cold too like the air is sparkly because all of the moisture in the air is actually freezing so it's it's really crazy but yeah like we why would you send somebody from cuba to they're like that's torture man <laughs> like those poor people trying to figure out how to adapt to this climate but you know we got them and now we have the afghanis coming so it's there's just tons and tons of immigrants in wisconsin i always laugh when people talk about how white wisconsin is i'm like you obviously have not been here <laughs> it is tons madison, madison is white yeah, Madison can be pretty white. Um, there's, I mean, you have tons of of refugees from Chicago uh, <laughs> that come here too. So and inner city Chicago and things. So you and and there's because of well because of uh, the um, the we're the cranberry capital of the world. Like basically any cranberry, yeah, pretty much any cranberry that you have ever eaten has in fact come from Wisconsin. Um, so there's just huge cranberry bogs up north of me and all of the migrant workers come to work for ocean spray and stuff up there. So we have tons of tons of Mexicans and um, Nicaraguans and um, Guatemalans and just tons of people from Central and South America here too. Like there's is actually really diverse until you hit like Milwaukee and Madison. Like the cities are not diverse, but everywhere else is. <laughs> so go figure with that one. But that's how it is here too in Cali. It's it's, like everywhere, everywhere is diverse until you get like north of Sacramento. Once you get north of Sacramento, it's like it, there's there's the there's the Mexican farmers, the, the migrant the Mexican migrant farmers, and then there is the um, um, uh, the Punjabi Indian um, uh, farm farm owners. Right, they own a lot of orchards. Um, fantastic people, by the way. And then yeah. and then the majority's white. That's just so weird. <laughs> just... I mean, it yeah. happens though. You know, that's that's you know, the United States, right? The United States is supposed to be a big melting pot where everybody comes together, and they have all these different, you know, different races and religions, and 
you know, uh, ethnic backgrounds and just all coming together in one place and figuring out how to live together. So, and I mean, it kind of works, you know, there's uh, most people who come to Wisconsin complain that they that they think everybody is suspect because we can't actually be that nice for a legitimate reason. And, but it's, it's, it's real. Midwest nice is very, very real. Like <laughs> it's, it's super weird, but it's true. Like you will suspect that there is something wrong with us because we are so nice. <laughs> Stereotypes got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, we do also have, you know, a ton of, a ton of serial killers from Wisconsin, but yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of going the other extreme there. Cheese and beer and cranberries. I mean, I don't yep. know. I don't know why that makes serial killers, but okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they tend to come from. I mean, the one was from Plainfield. That was Ed Gein. The other one was from Milwaukee, and that was Jeffrey Dahmer. So, and they both ate people. So, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I have nothing to say to that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm at a loss. I. You know the hey the Ojibwe are the ones who have the the uh, legend of the Wendigo and they're in Wisconsin. So I mean maybe there's a reason that they they're the ones who came up with the Wendigo thing. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I'm a, you want to get into this? Where do we uh, want to start? I have no idea. Oh, we're in Wisconsin. Let's start in Wisconsin. Okay. Or uh, not Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Next, next day over. Yeah. Uh, people don't much use the tree scent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have, yeah, we the have twins. Two, we have two, two Minneapolis stories or two Minnesota stories tonight. Yeah. And uh, the Twin Cities are only a couple hours north of me. Like, they're, when all that was going on, like, there was tons of people from here going up there. So, well, let's, uh, let's talk about that one. Uh, Jaleel Stallings. Shot at MPD, that is the Minneapolis Police Department. A jury acquitted him of wrongdoing. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, it was clear self-defense. Absolute clear self-defense, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. <sighs> um, this is an article by the Minnesota Reformer. Uh, before the white unmarked cargo van of the Minneapolis Police Department drove down Lake Street, an officer gave Sergeant Andrew Biddle his orders, quote, Drive down Lake Street. You see a group, call it out. Okay, great. Fuck them up. Gas them. Fuck them up. That's that's a quote. Uh, Biddle turned the SWAT unit uh, in the van and said, quote, All right, we're rolling down Lake Street. The first fuckers we see, we're just going to hammer them with the 40s, according to body camera footage described in court documents. He referred to, quote, less lethal plastic projectiles, sometimes called rubber bullets or 40 millimeter launcher or rounds. Yeah, they're Those like the, a rubber ring that comes out of a forty mil. There's two. There's two. There's two different kinds for that one. There's the there's the rings that come out of the forty mil, and then there's the ones that look like Nerf footballs. Yep. The Nerf footballs will fuck you up and ruin your day. Yes. They're, yeah. They're, they're 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 a dense rubber. Yep. The rubber rings are designed to basically just hit you, sting, and bounce off. That's that's what they're supposed to do. And they're really cool design, actually. The way they fly through the air is kind of nifty, but they're still going to hurt a lot. And they're talking about shooting people who are just standing there doing nothing. Like, just the first group we see, we're going to shoot them. That's a complete psychopath move. Yep. Uh, it was nighttime, just five days after the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. 
Protests and riots have raged for days and laid waste to businesses along Lake Street and the 3rd Precinct Police Station. By May 30, protests had ebbed, but the curfew was in effect. At 17th Avenue and Lake Street, around 10 p.m., the SWAT team saw a group of people outside the Stop and Shop gas station. Biddle told the driver, let's head towards the station and said, quote, let them have it, boys. Quote, right there, get him, get him, get him, get him, hit him, hit him. He ordered uh, as the officers fired plastic bullet launchers without warning. They later learned they were shooting at the gas station owner, the neighbors, and relatives guarding the station from more looting, as well as bystanders, including Vice News reporter who had his hands up and was yelling, quote, press. A SWAT that, team. <laughs> that would be a war crime in a war zone. Steph yes. uh, Several, several war crimes. Yes. Yeah. But like that would yeah, that would get you not I mean not know. not not being shot at, not enemy combatants. Um and the press. Yeah. Like so, you you'd be going to fucking Leavenworth if you were a soldier in a combat zone and you pulled this. Even with less than lethal rounds, they would still call that a war crime. Yes. Uh, a SWAT team member pushed the reporter to the ground as he lay there with his press card up. Another officer sprayed him in the face. That would be with mace or crowd control spray. About an hour later, three blocks to the west, they opened the sliding door of the van and began firing plastic rounds at people in a parking lot. They hit Jaleo K. Stallings, 29, a St. Paul truck driver, who says he didn't know they were cops because they were inside an unmarked white cargo van with the police lights off. He thought they were real bullets and... He says he was mindful of warnings earlier in the day from no less than Governor Tim Waltz that white supremacists were rolling the city looking for trouble. I mean, that was clearly accurate. There were a bunch of white supremacists in a white van wearing SWAT gear shooting at random people. Yes. <laughs> uh, Stallings, an Army veteran, returned fire with his mini Draco pistol, for which he had a permit. <laughs> a fucking Draco. I love that detail. That's, that's kind that of that's, fucking that's Draco. Kind of based. That's kind of yeah, <laughs> it's fucking Draco. Uh, he aimed low toward the front of the van and didn't hit anyone. When the SWAT team jumped out of the van yelling, shots fired, Stalins realized they were police. So he dropped his weapon and lay face down on the pavement, according to court documents. His eye socket was fractured in the beating that followed, with officers later claiming he resisted arrest. Uh, a Hennepin County jury recently acquitted Stalins of all charges. After he was allowed by a judge to claim self-defense. That is. The dude, he got a little kind of fucked up. You can see the the bruising on his on his orbital and his face and that shit eating grin knowing he did nothing wrong. Yeah, like I'm going to get off because you motherfuckers just I mean, this is the kind of thing. So what these I mean, what these SWAT guys are in, engaging in is the kind of thing that like. Remember years ago, there were there were videos that were coming out constantly of like teenagers doing this with paintball guns, just running up uh -huh. on people and shooting them. And they were getting felony charges for this. Yep. This is the exact same thing that they were doing, except even more likely to actually permanently injure someone and possibly kill them. And they're getting away with it because they're cops. Yes. Uh, court documents and transcripts reveal a far different story than the one officers told investigators as well as the tales police and prosecutors offered up to the media. The documents and other court records also reveal what until now remained largely obscure. 
how the Minneapolis Police Department's reacting to the protests, civil unrest, looting, and rioting in the days after the Floyd murder. The answer, fiercely and at times, indiscriminately. I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. What? I mean, these the, 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 the first shots were fired at people standing outside a gas station. Their second yeah. shots were fired at people standing in a parking lot. Not, not, not looters. Not rioters. Not instigators. People standing in a gas station and people standing in a parking lot. Again, this is, right, this is the... the difference between military ROE and police ROE where the military if we did that at all that's another war crime that's you had no idea who those people were they're not posing a threat to you nothing else you're just unleashing hell on civilians because oh, this is so cool the that's collateral the collateral murder video yeah exactly it's exactly that sort of thing but again, police in the United States are allowed to victimize anyone, anytime with zero repercussions, which was the whole point of the riots in the first place was that they were doing this shit right here. The police are abusive. Let's go protest the police who respond by being abusive. Yeah, by being abusive again. <laughs> this is the most fucked up Venn diagram ever. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, it's not even a Venn diagram. It's just one of those infinity marks. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking Mobius strip of reasoning here. Like, oh, well, the people are being mean to us because we're brutalizing them. So to prove that we're not mean, we're going to brutalize them because they're mad because we're brutalizing them. <laughs> <laughs> the feedings will continue until compliance. Yeah, until yeah, exactly. And that's exactly, I mean, that right there, like, encapsulates the average cop's attitude to American citizens, right? Like, that that encapsulates it, where it's this idea that all of you are adversaries, all of you are bad, I have a right to do anything I want to all of you because you're bad, yep. so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And they'll, and they'll hide behind the, I'm just doing my job. If, yeah, if I'm just doing my if, job. If you don't, if you don't like the law, vote to change it. Yeah, yeah. Which and and that's one of those ones that always has irritated the piss out of me when cops are like, "Well, I don't make the laws; I just have to enforce them." Except the entire idea of checks and balances was supposed to be that you wouldn't enforce. Cops had the option to not enforce laws that they didn't agree with, which would render them irrelevant, and that was supposed to be a balance to the power of Congress and the courts like that was supposed to be what was going on and instead now you just will comply with anything you've undone that one tiny little safeguard that lasted all of like 10 seconds yep in the constitution uh in the pre-trial in the pre-trial order um hennepin county district judge william coach who did not preside over the trial was critical if judiciously so of the mpd leadership Quote, while the court recognizes that there can be appropriate bravado to support colleagues going into battle or to address concerns about personal safety, it is not too much to expect those in leadership position to know the proper way to motivate and support their officers without inciting them to inappropriate behavior towards the public they serve. 
How a superior expresses himself can help cool heads or heat them up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, my guys, if I had gone, if we'd been going into a situation and I was like, we're going to fuck them up, we're going to light them up, every, they are getting ready and psyched up to just fucking go in there, guns firing, no questions asked. Leadership, your your purpose as a leader, especially in a combat unit, and let's be honest, that's what a SWAT team is, right? They are a combat unit. The If you are leadership, you are responsible for directing the attention and actions of every man in your command. This is what you do. And you're responsible for it as a result. So, I mean, personally, I think this dude should be but the fucking leader of it should be in prison right now. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, you ready? You ready for this? You ready for this? This is the uh, the police version of what happened. <laughs> oh. Um, the police version of what happened. SWAT officers were patrolling Lake Street in an unmarked white van to quote control the crowds that were causing severe property damage when they came upon a group near 14th Avenue. While people dispersed, Stalling stepped out from behind a pickup, walked towards the officers, and crouched by the driver's side door as if to pick up something. The officers, concerned that they were planning to throw debris or rocks at them, fired a 40-millimeter marking round at Stalling's, who fired, quote, three to four shots in the direction of the officers, narrowly missing them, according to the criminal complaint. The complaint said officers deployed one 40-millimeter round at Stallings, even though the officers fired two rounds before Stallings returned fire. That will, that will get to the actual body cam footage in a second. Stallings, quote, quickly ran away and was handcuffed after a struggle, according to the press release, by the, Hennep- by the Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman, who said Stallings was charged for, quote, shooting at police officers amid riots and protests and firing multiple shots at SWAT officers during riots. I'm going to eye roll so hard my eyeballs come out of my head. Like, you (laughs) fucking liars. Get the the tape. Hold them in place. (laughs) You're 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 going to want to. Quote, none of the officers nor Stallings were injured, the press release said, even though Stallings' bruised, scraped face on his mugshot clearly indicated otherwise, and he was taken to the hospital after his arrest. He beat the fuck out of him and put him in the hospital. No one was injured? Fuck you. The criminal complaint said that during police questioning, Stallings asked if anyone had been killed, and after being told no, he said, he quote, said he wanted to speak with a lawyer, and the statement was ended. But Stallings' lawyer said a recording of the interview shows Stallings twice asked whether the officers were okay, not whether he had killed anyone, saying that the main concern was making sure everybody was okay. When an officer said no one had been seriously hurt, the officer noted Stallings appeared relieved. Quote, during the interview, the officers even expressed appreciation for Stallings' concern for the well-being of the officers involved. Stallings' lawyer wrote in a legal memo. Oh, they yeah, they appreciate it so much they tried to <laughs> fuck him hard, asshole. They broke his face. Yeah, they beat the shit out of him. Like, oh, we appreciate that you care about us. <laughs> like... <laughs> He was charged with two counts of attempted second-degree intentional non-premeditated murder, two counts of first-degree assault, deadly force against police officers, two counts of second-degree assault, use of a dangerous weapon, one count of second-degree rioting, and one count of intentional discharge of a firearm. 
rioting. I rioting. He was standing in a parking, in parking lot. lot. Drove up, shot at him. He returned fire, and you're charging with fucking rioting and attempted oh. murder. Jesus <sighs> fucking Christ. Uh, the case made headlines with outlets such as the Washington Post reporting on criminal charges that said the SWAT team was wearing uniforms, SWAT vests, and helmets, though not mentioning they were in an unmarked van in the dark with the lights off. The case made headlines again a few days later when the Minnesota Freedom Fund paid $75,000 to get cash or $75,000 cash to get Stalin's, who had no criminal record, out of jail. The case even became fodder for presidential campaign fundraising with then-President Donald Trump's war room tweeting that, quote, Jaleel Stallings is a would-be cop killer who was in jail for firing at police during peaceful protests. Now he's free thanks in part to Biden's campaign officials who donated to pay bail fills, pay, to pay bail fees. Because Biden's campaign donated to the Freedom Fund. Isn't that interesting that he was so clearly running on a platform of the defund police and the anti-police ticket and now laughs that, well, that's just a crazy fringe opinion of the, the Democrat <laughs> Party. No one ever said that. Yeah. I don't... All right. OK, so the, the body cam tells another story. Court hearings and court documents describing body cab footage tell a different story. That night, the SWAT team's white unmarked cargo van slowly rolled down East Lake Street with 20 to 30 police officers or 20 to 30 police cars trailing farther behind. Jesus, that's a lot of force. The van had red and blue lights on the sides, under the mirrors, and in front and the rear windows, but they were turned off. They wore blue Minneapolis Police Department uniforms under black tactical vest. All right, so this is this is at night. Their lights are off. They're wearing dark blue and black. Yeah, it's, and firing you know, indiscriminately out the side of an unmarked white van. If somebody's wearing anything other than just completely white and sitting in a darkened van at night, you can't see who the fuck they are. Uh, street police officers use 40 millimeter launchers with orange barrels, so they're not mistaken for lethal weapons. But the SWAT team had black barrel launchers, making them harder to distinguish from deadly weapons. Yeah, their their barrels are black because they are allowed in certain situations to use actual potentially lethal rounds. Things like uh, um, tear gas launcher tear uh, gas rounds launcher, yeah. can actually kill you if they hit you. And so because the, they are they very did in um, I think Louisville, they they hit they hit someone in the head with one and killed them. Yeah, it's it. I mean, because that thing's traveling fast enough and it's solid metal. I mean, the can is solid metal because the way that the tear gas gets dispersed, it needs to be metal. That is a, you know, it's a projectile. It's a possibly lethal projectile. They also, I don't know if Minneapolis SWAT ever has been issued uh, explosive rounds, but there is literally no reason that that 40 millimeter launcher could not be loaded with an actual HE round oh, yeah. or my personal favorite to use, which was always the Hellhound. Uh, <laughs> knock, knock, bitches, boom. Oops. So <laughs> that's like that. They can totally do that, which is why they're black. They don't get the orange ones because they do launch lethal projectiles sometimes. Yeah. Uh, at night without the lights on, it looked like a cargo van creeping down Lake Street with a bunch of cop cars inexplicably trailing behind. In court, one of the SWAT team members likened it to the tip of a spear. 
they had the special weapons and tactics, while the cops in the marked cars behind them, quote, barely had riot gear. The other units had been told to slow down and stay behind the van. Uh, earlier, Biddle had ordered the squad lights turned off. So this, the, the commander, the commander told them to turn the lights off. So he's intentionally appearing as though he's a regular van. Like he's making this conscious decision to appear as though this is a regular van full of regular people. Yes. Um, not long after they headed out, an officer told Biddle uh, people were headed in the direction of the SWAT unit. Quote, let them come, let them come, Biddle told his unit. Uh, a couple minutes later, he yelled, hit him, hit him, hit him. And the officers fired several rounds at the group, then told them, quote, get the fuck out of here. According to the description on the body cam videos and the court documents. Then they saw the group of protesters violating curfew, but not looting or rioting. They cleared the people out and were watching a small group shout at them from a distance. They fired some launchers at them, and after the people retreated, Officer Justin Stetson fired another round. The group retreated and stopped yelling. Stetson fired a third time, saying, Gotcha! Officer Christopher Dobble laughed and gave him a fist bump. This is the kind of behavior that we engaged in in combat. Yes. Like, this is this is combat soldier behavior where you're actually engaged it, you know, engaged with an actually an actual op for and you're firing at them and then you, you know, pop off a 40 mil and nail somebody and then you're like, ha, ah, got him. Got him. Like that's yep. that's this behavior. Like think this is cops firing at people that are just out there that are just they're not doing any harm. No, to anyone. All, all, all that they were doing, all that those people were doing, according to the body cam and the court documents, was violating curfew. They weren't looting. They weren't rioting. They're just standing outside. And yep. they're, they're literally what's going on when you violate curfew is you are standing in the wrong place. That's all that's happening. Yep. All right. And um, they're, they're acting like these are enemy combatants from the get-go. Yeah. Oh, it, it gets worse. <sighs> When they I'm came sure upon another small group of people, Biddle told the officers to wait and, quote, draw them in. Quote, wait for them and draw them in, draw them in, and then hit them, he told Officer Christopher Kirchenberry. The protesters didn't draw near, however, so the officers didn't shoot. You, you're hoping? You're hoping. This is the, the, consistently. They are hoping that they get to shoot people. Yes. As the van proceeded toward 15th Avenue, Stallings and three friends were in a parking lot on the 14th Avenue and Lake Street. He'd gone out for his third night of protest after seeing the video of Floyd being pressed into the pavement, dying under the knee of Derek Chauvin. He was wearing a green sweater, basketball shorts, and a face mask and drove his big white Chevy Silverado. He had his mini Draco, which is a modified pistol that looks like a sawed-off AK-47 for protection in the face of this the disorder and stories about violent white supremacists seeking to sow chaos. That's a completely reasonable response to arm yourself in response to being warned that there are armed white armed supremacists. By the, governor. the governor, the governor put out that order. We'll yeah, that there. That yeah, it, like if, if you've been told that there are armed, you're you're a black man, you're you've been told that there are armed white supremacists roaming around looking to shoot people. Arming yourself effectively is an entirely reasonable response. 
and one that you should do. You should be armed, especially in a situation like that. Okay, uh, this is where it gets. Stalin said him or Stalin says he and his companions were in the parking lot trying to figure out what to do when someone came running down the street yelling, they're shooting, they're shooting. Quote, I assume that meant somebody's out here trying to kill people, Stalin's recalled. Stalin's friends went to the street and immediately turned away running. So Stalin's turned around and took cover near the back of his pickup as the others headed toward vehicles. Stalin's turned to get into his pickup as the white van came into view around the corner of the building, uh, bordering the parking lot to the west. He couldn't see inside the van. The van's sliding door was open, and the officers immediately began firing. Officer Cushenberry fired first, hitting Stalin's torso, saying later in a court hearing that he'd been trained to aim at the chest, legs, or buttocks. Stalin said in an interview he heard a pop, and then his chest felt like it was on fire, similar to when he was grazed by a bullet once when he was younger and living in Brooklyn. Quote, I immediately thought I was being shot at with real bullets and was about to die. Uh, I was under the impression that I was bleeding out. Then Stinson fired, Stinson's one of the other officers, hitting Stalin's pickup door, leaving a dent. Stalin's military training kicked in, and he fired three rounds at the van while retreating to the rear of his pickup. When he was in the Army, he was taught to, quote, shoot center mass, but said he aimed low and towards the front of the van to scare off whoever was doing the shooting at him. Yeah, he'd, he thought he'd been hit and he might be dying, but he still didn't want to kill anyone himself. Yes. Uh, quote, I had enough rounds that if I intended to harm or kill anyone, I could have easily done that. He said he fought, um, he could have fired 31 rounds and hit every person in the van. Uh, instead, he only fired but three. So he had, he had a, a, a full-size mag plus one in the chamber. Yeah, standard. That's a standard AK mag. That's, yeah. you know, I mean, he easily could have. Yeah, I mean, and if that had been, you know, if those are FMJs, they're tearing through the body of that van like it ain't even yeah. there. So. Uh, one of his shots appeared to hit the van, although no bullet was recovered in it or on the street right outside the open door. Quote, I lifted my feet up because I could see a round skipping off the pavement below the van. That is Officer Dubel recounted in the court months later. On body cam video described in court documents, Dubel appeared to fall backward and then fired a third round towards Stalin's pickup, hitting the passenger side mirror, cracking the casing as the van slowed. The officers yelled, shots fired, shots fired, and jumped out of the van. And Stallings said that's when he realized they were cops. Court documents describe body cam footage that show he dropped his gun on the ground and lay face down with his hands to the side above his head uh, as though he was surrendering. He didn't move for 20 seconds as the officers approached. Quote, you fucking piece of shit, Stinson yelled, and began kicking and punching Stallings in the head and neck, according to court documents. Stallings didn't move. He was trying to surrender and de-escalate the situation, he said in an interview. Battelle began kicking uh, or began kneeing and punching Stallings in the stomach, chest and back. The beating went on for about 30 seconds with Biddle and Stinson punching and kicking Stallings in the head, neck, stomach, chest and back. Yeah, they wanted fucking blood. Uh, midway through the beating, Stinson told Stallings to put his arms behind his back and after handcuffing him, uh, Patel set him uh, up and kicked him in the ribs as Stetson continued hitting him in the head. They fucking handcuffed him yeah. and kept beating him. Uh, even after his sergeant, Patel told Stevens to stop hitting Stalins, he continued. Uh, Biddle said, that's it. Stop it. 
but he continued until Bell grabbed his hand and said it's okay. The officers also arrested another person who was with Stallings, repeatedly tasing him. Stinson beat Stallings so bad he... Uh, so bad he said his hands and feet hurt afterwards and wondered aloud whether he had broke his hand, according to court documents. When paramedics arrived, Stallings had labored breathing and didn't immediately respond to questions. Stallings was arrested and taken to the hospital and then interrogated and jailed. Uh, Judge Koch reported uh, in an order that while MPD Commander Bruce Fulkins was inspecting the crime scene, he told another officer it was, quote, nice to hear officers were, quote, hunting people instead of, quote, chasing people around that evening and said, quote, fuck these people. See this, and that sums up what's going on here. The the protests, the riots, all of that are in direct response to police, and they are basically declaring the to the police, you don't get to do this. You don't get to just run everything and run roughshod over the citizenry all you want. And in response, the police are like, how dare you question my authority? How dare you question whether or not I can do anything I want? And the actions of this SWAT team are exactly that consistently. They are, how dare you defy me? I am the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want to be fucking Judge Dredd. I mean, that's what they, they want to be fucking Judge Dredd. They want to be able to just execute people at will. After Stallings was arrested, the officers gathered for a debriefing. Quote, did anyone shoot? Sergeant Patel asked the unit. Nobody said they had. Nobody mentioned that they shot Stallings with rubber bullets before he fired back. Quote, who are the shooters? A responding officer asked Patel, according to the court documents. Quote, nobody. He shot at us, replied Patel inaccurately. He said, quote, then he gave up. So he's, he's, he's admitting... Not as he lied, but he's admitting he gave up. Yeah. Right, so he wasn't resisting. He gave up. Yep. Mattel repeatedly said Stallings shot at the van, saying Stallings, quote, shot right into the van as, as Unit 1281 engaged with 40s. The officers agreed, saying they didn't, quote, shoot at Stallings. During a December court hearing, the officers said they meant they didn't shoot at him with live ammunition from a lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure minutes, that's what you meant. About nine minutes after the shooting, the unit was ordered to turn off its body cameras. Oh. Gee. Why would that be? Hmm. Yeah. When officers suggested the unit be separated and placed in with escorts in accordance with MPD's critical incident policy, Patel said that was unnecessary because his officers didn't shoot. Yeah, see, exactly. Right there. That's... They're lying. They know that they're lying. They're even lying about lying. Uh, asked, yeah, asked in court uh, what was said after the body cam were turned off. Officer Double said, quote, it was us sitting back and thankful that we were all alive and that we weren't killed. You know, and the thing is, you know, if he had actually hit anyone and killed them, they would have just killed him. Mm-hmm. Even if he realized there were cops and immediately surrendered, they would have just murdered him. Yep. And the, the, it goes it goes on to cover the whole court case and all that good stuff, but it's a really long, like twice as long as what I've already read. Yeah, and they basically the what it says is 
that they, you know, they debated whether or not they should separate them, treat it as a critical incident, and, you know, question them all separately, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, so they just defaulted and sent them all home. Yeah. Instead of questioning them and said, well, we'll talk to you tomorrow, which means they all had plenty of time to talk to each other and get their story straight. Yeah, to get a unifying story. Yep. Yeah, the next day, officers gave what Judge Koch later called, quote, somewhat conflicting but not necessarily inconsistent statements to investigators. Uh, since the officers didn't use their firearms, it was not deemed a critical incident. The officers were then allowed to watch body cam footage before doing their written reports. <sighs> None of the officers, including Patel, mentioned in their command mentioned his command to hit Stalin's group. Stenson told investigators he shot at Stalin's because he was crouching down and appeared poised to throw something at the van. So, yeah, the fucking the Minneapolis police sergeant. Yes, they did enjoy it. Like, and they fucking lied. Like that's that's the gist. Of it. Like they lied, they lied, they lied. They leave things out. They lie, they lie, they leave things out. All right. Uh, in February, in a February order, Koch, that's the judge, was critical of the MPD leadership that night, but didn't find the unit's conduct rose to the level of unnecessary and unjustified infliction of malicious injury that would spur a dismissal. <sighs> Yeah, but Coe did allow Stallings to argue during trial that he acted in self-defense. Of yeah. the allow. That's... Yeah. And he found the officers used excessive force, agreeing with Rice, that they were evidence the unit was indiscriminately shooting at peaceful people that night, firing at a retreating group of people about an hour before they shot Stallings. But Koch said context is important, too. The officers had just been through four days of rioting, looting, arson, and burning the third precinct. Peaceful protests sometimes quickly escalated to violence. As if that fucking justifies yeah. breaking homeboy's face. But again, that's like like I said, that's what this is. This is a how dare you question us? How dare you not immediately bend over, spread your cheeks, and say, please, sir, may I have another? He did. He did. He dropped the gun. And he did. Laid yeah. on the ground, totally compliant. But he, but their their reaction is from the get go of that night is how yep. dare these people not just bend over for us, and yep. then when he fires at them, they're like, again, the you motherfucker, and then they beat the shit out of him. Even though he's compliant, he's not resisting, he has surrendered. No, oh, the one bludgy thought he broke his hand on the dude's face. It's too bad that he didn't, and then it got infected, and then he got <laughs> bone infection and died from sepsis. Piece of shit. Had to be amputated. Like, yeah, the the um, co said uh, citizens would hope and should expect that Unit 1281 would show more discretion as well as follow MPD policy before filing firing 40 millimeter launchers. Gosh, you think? Yeah. Officer Stinson did said during questioning in a court hearing that some members of the unit enjoyed shooting civilians at certain moments, but denied shooting at people just for violating curfew, saying, quote, it was five nights of a complete riot where the city was burning down. He said the unit was firing on civilians to, quote, gain back control of the city. 
you know, the, this unit's actions are the kind of things that you see in like dystopian future movies and novels about like the reactions of of uh, these like absolute police states mm-hmm. to people protesting. Like remember uh, uh, Running Man, right at the beginning of Running Man with the, the protests over the food and stuff. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger's character refuses to fire at them you know, or do anything. Cause they're all being peaceful. They're just protesting. And then everyone goes in and just shoots them all. Yeah. Uh, Biddle acknowledged that his unit shot civilians multiple times while going down Lake street, calling the rounds a quote, pain compliance measure. A pain compliance measure. Shooting 40 Mike, Mike at, people standing in parking lots yeah well and i i love that the uh that stallings when he was asked why he kept hitting him after his hands were behind his back again he goes again emotions were high i just shot got shot at i thought i was going to die he started to tell the truth yeah and then caught himself because he had been saying that he never shot at anyone <laughs> Everybody I saw that night got shot seemed to either seem seemed to either be attempting to loot, probably planning to loot. You know, it was it was the directive I got was to clear the street. So that's what we did. Probably (laughs) planning to loot. Seemed to be seemed to be probably planning to loot. Yeah, you know, and you know the thing, like, there's, so there is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic Star Wars fan film out there called Troops, which is a parody of cops, but with stormtroopers on Tatooine. And, you know, remember what cops always said at the beginning, right? That all suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. (laughs) No. Well, Troops opens up with, because it's the Empire going, all suspects are guilty, period. Otherwise, they wouldn't be suspects, would they? (laughs) <laughs> and that was funny 20 years ago. <laughs> that is actually how police react now. Yeah, everybody it, you're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, you are you are simply you are going to be guilty. You are going to be shot. I mean, these guys are acting like fucking stormtroopers. That's what they're acting like right now. The stormtroopers who, you know, these blast points too accurate for sand people like that, those that group of stormtroopers, that's what they are. The ones who burned Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. That's that's these guys right here. That's these guys. Even, you know, the crazy thing is even the Gestapo, the Nazi Gestapo were more careful about whether or not they win at people than American police. Um, <sighs> Stallings, the, the SWAT commander, um, had a day in court July 22nd in a five-day jury trial. Um, let's see, the prosecution called the officers to testify, and the defense only called Stallings. Stallings was acquitted of all charges. Of course he was, because magical costume! Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rice, who was um, Stalin's, uh, not Stalin's, the, the guy that was shot's lawyer, he said, quote, what rights does he have to stand in the parking lot and not get shot at? 
<laughs> yeah, it's he's just like, what 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 rights does he have at this point? Like, yep. like if you're gonna if you're gonna say that you're allowed to do that. What right does he have to not expect to get shot at randomly by police for standing in a fucking parking lot? Like, what what rights does anyone have anymore? And the answer, I mean, you know, if you've been listening to this show for a while, is none. You have no rights at all in the United States. Not really. When government decides it doesn't want you to have rights, you just don't have them. Unless you are willing to defend them. Unless you're capable of defending them because mm-hmm. you, you can you can be willing to defend them all you want i mean it's not going to stop the government from you know dropping a bomb on your house you know like they did the move, move movement yeah that i mean yeah and that's but i mean that's the thing is like it, you only have the rights that you were willing and able to defend that's all you actually have when government is involved mm-hmm. you you do not have rights that you can't keep the government from infringing on look at australia right now fucking australia is a fucking from a prison camp to a prison camp yeah they've come full circle like it's it's kind of crazy like they're just a modern penal colony now and like that's directly a result of their inability to stop tyranny in an effective manner and whereas in willingness yeah, whereas in the United States right now, uh, just in the past year, there well, in the past three months, past three months, there have been more NICS checks for back for gun purchases than there were in the previous two years combined. And what was it like? Twenty eight percent of all firearms purchases this past year were uh, first time buyers. Yep. New gun owners. There's an estimated 20, 28 million new gun owners in the United States. Yeah. Who didn't previously think, own a firearm? I read something like um, uh, like eight percent of those are black females, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. that's yeah, that's uh, any group that is worried about being oppressed, like actively, regardless of of anything, race, sexual orientation, anything else, mm-hmm. should be arming themselves for sure. I mean, like I mentioned when I was uh when I was on Magnus's live stream, you know that. I've been trying to get a pink pistols chapter started in lacrosse, you know, in this area, not, I'm not gay, but like, I have a lot of friends who are, and I worry about their ability to protect themselves if things go nasty. So like, I want them to be able to do that. I want them to be able to properly and effectively defend themselves if something happens. And that's what pink pistols does, you know, like I, and I laugh, you know, the, and there was that that article today that they came out from uh, the the Magic House um, about, uh, you know, the t- complaining about the Boogaloo Boys, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. you mean Mom's Mom's Demand Action one, yeah, yeah, and like complaining and like, oh, you mean the uh, the people who like protect the BLM <laughs> protests, the ones who you know, protect trans individuals, the ones who are trying to start again, in my case, a pink pistols chapter, like, oh yeah, we're, we're so anti, like we're so white supremacist, <laughs> hyper right. You know, the, the photo, the photo that they always use is like these three boot boys standing in front of some liquor store or something like that. Right. And they got the, the guns, you know, the guns down and got the hand on the, on the, the pistol grip and all that good stuff. It's, they use the same photo every single time, completely ignoring the fact that every single time they use that photo, people comment the original photo 
which shows like three or four black guys on each side, like some Black Lives Matter guys, some yep. black boogaloo guys that they just conveniently crop out of the photo every yep, single they, time. Yep, they crop all of the people of color out of the photo because they're non-people to them. They don't care. Yep. And then they also ignore the fact that that is the protest that's where like, a bunch of booze boys like, stop a bunch of white supremacists yep. from harassing yep. a trans individual who is one of them. Yep. <laughs> that's like uh, Larry Elders who's, who's running for the uh, governor spot here in California during the uh, the Newsom recall. If if news like I, I like Larry Elder, he's, he's he's pretty decent on a lot of things, but he's he's a black guy, and the L.A. Times called him the face of white supremacy. Yeah, I saw that the the black <laughs> face of white supremacy, and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> how, the, how does how wait how does that work? There, I've watched Eric July get called a, a white supremacist. I've watched Zuby uh, on Twitter get called a white supremacist. There's, um, you know, that's um, that's their uh, go-to. Olivia, Olivia Rondu's Olivia Rondu's their their new target. They call her a white supremacist now too because yeah, because she joined Mises. Yeah, she's black. What? <laughs> <laughs> but it's all they have. Like the. They have it so internalized that if you are, you know, anti-government, if you are uh, anti, you know, um, anti-encroachment on your rights, if you are, you know, anti-tyranny, you must be a white supremacist. They've internalized that so much that they do will do the craziest contortionist level <laughs> mental gymnastics to be able to try and say that somebody who is black and grew up in South Central is somehow <laughs> a white supremacist. Yep. Speaking of, let's let's talk about this other white supremacist that's making the news. Um got the the cease and desist letter for donating air conditioning units in Florida <sighs> in July. Um white supremacist goes by the name of Kodak Black. He's a he's a rapper. Um, yeah. Received a cease and desist letter from the housing authority after donating air conditioning units to people in the projects. Yeah, he so he grew up in these projects specifically. Like mm. this is this is his na home neighborhood and everything else. This is where he grew up and where he came from. He yep. has yep. the money. Angry, angry, angry white supremacists. Angry white supremacists. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's. If you don't know who he is and you're listening to this, uh, just Google Google Kodak Black and uh, you'll, you'll see what we're talking It's spelled just like it sounds, K-O-D-A-K, B-L-A-C-K. So Kodak yeah. Black is facing legal trouble for his latest charitable effort. Uh, the Housing Authority of Papano Beach issued a cease and desist letter to Kodak last month claiming that he caused, quote, disturbances when delivering air conditioning units to a housing project in July. <laughs> the housing authorities claim also stem from the fact that Florida rapper may have shot a video on the property. With he the says, permission of the people who live there. Yeah, he said uh -huh. he didn't. Whatever. Yeah. Quote, your actions have inversely impacted the property's residents or the property residents' rights to peacefully enjoy their property. He was giving out fucking air conditioning units to poor people in the ghetto in florida in july yeah this i mean and keep in mind this is this is projects right this is public housing 
And they didn't put air conditioning in the public housing. The government that built it did not put air conditioning okay. in these units in well, here, Florida. Here in, Cal- here in California, where it's like 96 degrees, it's 7 o'clock at night right now. Uh, by law, they don't have to include air conditioning, but they have to include a heater. Even though even though winter time here is like fifty five degrees during the day and like overnight lows of forty. I don't even need to run a fucking heater. I can use a fucking sleeping bag and be fine at night. So but uh quote your actions have inversely impacted the property residents' right to peacefully enjoy their property. Meanwhile, Black's lawyer, uh, Bradford Cohen, responded with a letter of his own, reprimanding the housing authority for their quote wish to stop the assistance to the elderly and underprivileged during a heat wave and a two-year pandemic. I fucking love that, that he's like, you're trying to stop someone just trying to help old people during in the middle of this pandemic that you were supposedly so freaked out by. And Florida in July. Yeah, what the... Fourth Fourth of July weekend in July. Yeah, and he, he purchased... A uh, hundred AC units, twelve thousand five hundred dollars, and then hand delivered them to the residents. Hand delivered them. His own money, brought them himself. Made sure everyone got one that needed one. Mm-hmm. This guy is way more efficient than any government <laughs> assistance project <laughs> will ever be. And as we said, we do it for the projects. We do it for the projects. The people rely on just enough cash to survive. We'll get you an AC, man. We're we out here. Yeah, he also, he actually helped install them. Like, him and his his crew, like, actually made sure, because they're kind of big, kind of heavy. Elderly people can't really get them into their windows. He made sure they got them into their windows, got them plugged in, that they're working. Yeah. Yeah. And he, the, the government bitched him on. Yeah, and they chewed him out for it. The video, the video is on his Instagram, um, and I think on Twitter as well, if you want to check it out. But he, yeah, all he's doing is he's just trying to help people in the neighborhood that he grew up in, right? Like a lot of these these elderly people, he probably knows, mm-hmm. right? They were probably there when he was there. He he remembers them. He knows them, and he's just trying to help them out when they need help because heat waves kill the elderly, especially like that seriously is a lot of stress on your heart and things and being in that kind of heat. And he's just trying to help these people. <laughs> and the government goes, how dare you? That's <laughs> funny. Cause uh, one of the connected articles um, on June 11th, the Boward County commissioner, uh, commissioner Dale Holness issued a proclamation for June 11th, celebrating codex years of generosity toward his community. Yeah, so this isn't even the first time he's done this shit. He's actually, I looked into him a little bit because I obviously I don't pay any attention to these rappers. I I have no idea. I listen to CCR and and Led Zeppelin and ACDC and shit, man. I have no idea who these people are. Uh, But I looked into him a little bit and he has for years been dumping enormous amounts of money back into his community and helping people. And he's been doing a lot, actually. A lot, a lot. More than Will I Am, who tried to build a fucking factory to build a shitty DeLorean thing. (laughs) (sighs) All right. (laughs) Either way, the no good deed goes unpunished, right? I mean, that that's what it comes down to is, is he made, he made (laughs) the housing authority look bad. 
Yeah. And and they got their panties in a bunch about it. Yep. So, but unelected democ or unelected bureaucrats, man. That's what this is. This is unelected bureaucrats. We have another unelected bureaucrat that we want to talk about. And and I wish Derek was here, and I wish Christopher was here to go over this. Um, and I wish Sully was here, but he's at a wedding. So this is, this is one of those stories. Um, this one comes from um, Allegan County, which is in Michigan. Um, state rep calls for firing of Allegan County Health Department director over warning letter. What's the warning letter you're talking about? A Michigan lawmaker has called for the Allegan County Health Director to be fired over a warning letter sent to parents that said if they do not comply with the requirements to quarantine from school, kids could be taken into protective custody. Oh, 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 bat. <laughs> State Representative Steve Johnson and some parents were upset after uh, about it after the letter Steve or state rep Steve Johnson posted the letter on Facebook. In the Facebook post, Rep Johnson said, quote, Allegan County Commission needs to step up and fire the reckless and tyrannical health director for threatening to take away people's kids. Uh, the yeah, letter fire. in part. That's, that's what they should do. Yeah, the letter in part says, quote, if you fail to take the actions prescribed in this warning notice, the Allegan County Health Department shall petition the court to seek an order to compel your compliance, which may result in you being taken into protective custody to protect the public's health. Quote, should any non-compliant behavior create an emergency situation where he, she becomes a health threat to others, an immediate court order shall be sought pursuant to Michigan law MCL 333.5207. Upon issuance of this court order, he, she may be taken into protective custody to protect public health. In such event, um, you will then be afforded the opportunity here in court in 72 hours. All right, so. I, there are things that I want to say that should be a re- considered a reasonable reaction to that letter. However. Brandenburg. Yeah, I'm not going to say them. Uh, you can probably guess my opinion of how you should react to that. <laughs> how i would react to that and uh it's it's not going to be uh not going to be a measured reasonable response let's say that yeah bet bitch (laughs) yeah oh oh oh, oh. it's if you're familiar with the protests in france right now (laughs) and some of the things that are happening there mm, i'm a fan i'm a fan of i'm a fan of historical french protests Yes. Um, it's it's not. I'm I'm trying not to <laughs> trying not to uh, to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's the problem with this is like this is such blatant tyranny. Like this is such like a oh really motherfucker moment for me. Like. I actually am not legally allowed to articulate my thoughts on this. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we just we just let's just move on. Let's move on from that one. Wanna, <laughs> we, we have to move on from that one. Um, we can go. 
one way or another. <laughs> they're, they're both <laughs> they're both having to deal with the government and families. So, all right, let's let's do this one because we need to laugh. We need a good laugh after that. Parents of disabled students file lawsuit against Iowa's ban on mask mandates. I just, I yeah, I. I know, I know, I know. I I get it completely. Just it's it. It gets it's worse than you actually think. Um. <laughs> uh, is this one of the ones that you read that you already know? Um, I've read I've read some like I saw it when it happened. I saw some things get mentioned about it, I think, and I remember looking at it and going but but what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Deep breath. A group of parents of disabled students sued the state of Iowa Friday for banning mask mandates at schools, claiming that it infringes on their children's equal right to education by endangering their health. Uh, no. <laughs> no. It does not. It... Uh. Do you think do you think that these parents on, also wait, freaked on, out every single time it was flu season like no, no, no. The US Department of Education is also looking into the Iowa law and similar ones in Republican led states. The department is attempting to determine whether the bans violate the Americans with Disabilities Act, insisting that they discriminate against children with disabilities or health issues. The argument is that these children are excluded from in-person teaching, which would violate the law. You don't have a right to safety. Prohibiting schools from taking reasonable steps to protect the health of their students forces parents to make an impossible choice. Their children's education or their children's health. That is a quote from Susan Misner, director of the ACLU's program, in the suit's press release. The ACLU, which put forth an article that said that masks mandates and vaccine mandates were pro-freedom. Yeah. Um, the parents in the current Iowa case have children with current disabilities or health issues ranging from bad asthma to cerebral palsy to a rare organ disorder. If your kid's immune system is so fragile that they can't handle being exposed to COVID. They probably can't be handle being exposed to the flu. They probably can't handle being exposed to the to uh, colds. They can't handle being in fucking school, which means you are not making an impossible choice. You know that you can homeschool these children and you are making the choice to send them there to a school, which is known to be a fucking okay. Petri dish. <laughs> At what point does it enter people's mind that banning mask mandates does not ban people from wearing masks? Yeah. Okay. 
a remember, second point, remember a second point on that with the, the come and take it with the, the idiot <laughs> the shit lips with their come and take it with the masks when they ban when they when they stop the mask mandates and everyone's like they're they're not taking your masks away you do understand that right like that's all right this this is this is a second point this is a second point that it just goose from goose from okay second point at what point do people realize that your kid wearing a mask and going to school is perfectly acceptable, but forcing other people's kids to wear masks so that your kid can go to school wearing a mask is a civil rights violation of the other fucking kids. Yeah, that's seeing that's that's where this Orwellian level double speak. Like that was the thing that I'd said about like the ACLU on Twitter is I was like, you know, when you start out as the American civil liberties union and you turn into Orwell's ministry of truth, right? Freedom is slavery. You are double speaking. You are turning, you are taking the words that mean things and you are making them mean exactly the opposite. You're taking words like civil liberties and rights and you're making them mean oppression and denial of rights and decision-making capability. You are denying the agency of other people to make their dis own decisions. That is not rights. That is exactly the opposite of rights. You don't have a right to safety. You don't have a right to expect other people to care. You don't have a right to force things on other people. Yeah, you don't have that fucking right. You don't. You that this whole pandemic has created like it was already fucking clown world. It has just gotten so much worse. Like I'm gonna start just wearing a red clown nose, a little honky nose everywhere I go because this is fucking clown world as shit. Where people are like, you're violating my rights by not allowing me to force you to do something. You want to wear the mask? Wear the mask. Wear a fucking hazmat suit. Wear a fucking self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Wear 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 a fucking oxygen recycler. Yeah. Get a bubble. Get a bu get a bubble. Roll get down bubble the boy. hall in the roll down the hall in the school. Be a bubble boy. Yeah. I am fine with that. That is your right to do so. But to force muzzles on other kids because your kid has a immune or a compromised immune system or some sort of disability is not a fucking right. If you have, if your kids, again, if your kid's immune system is compromised enough that you are that concerned, why are they in that tight quarters social situation? Again, exactly. If, if, if you're, if you're so scared of your kid getting sick from other kids at school being normal kids, why are you subjecting your kids to the school? Yeah, you're making the decision to send them there. You're the one choosing that, knowing full well yeah, that and your I know, kid. And I know, and I know, somewhat some fucking Karen does. Well, then my kid shouldn't. I shouldn't have to pay school for tax, or I have to pay taxes for the education. I agree completely. Yeah, if, if your kids 
can't go to that school or don't want to go to that school, no, you should not pay taxes for the for the, the, the education. I love how often that happens too, where these people, so many of these people go, well, then I shouldn't have to do whatever. I love uh, Accidentally Libertarian on Twitter oh. where they post those constantly where people are like, like, well, then I shouldn't have to pay property taxes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree and completely. And they have I, no idea what to say where you're like, no, I, I've been saying that for years, actually. Yeah, yeah you shouldn't. I, I agree completely. My kids are adults. My kids are 21 years old. They're out of school. Why the fuck am I still paying education taxes? Yeah. Why Why do I have to do that? My If if my kids are homeschooled, why should I have to pay for the pay property taxes to pay for the schooling of other people's kids? Why is that my responsibility? That's not my responsibility. No, it's collectivist bullshit. Yeah, it's not my the education of society is not my fucking responsibility. And, and you'll have people if 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 I have to pay for education, I want to stay in the education. Yeah. Cuz they're not educating kids, they're indoctrinating kids. Exactly. There's, yeah. There's very little actual education that happens at school. Oh yeah, schools. there's I mean there's so many memes. There's memes that even like like shit libs will will share on tw on Twitter and Facebook and everything where they'll be, you know, about the the um but how do I do taxes and you know the uh response is, you know, well Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. No, like how do I make my own doctor's appointment? And and then so, you know the a squared plus b squared equals c squared. No, but like how do I and everyone How understands. How do I change a tire, PEMDAS? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> how do I do this shit? People don't learn, you know, and that's, you know, and home economics is its elimination from nearly all school curriculums in the United States really points that to was, that. That was a required class when I was in sixth grade at Riverview Middle School at West Pittsburgh, California. Yeah, like that's right. that being eliminated says everything you need to know that home economics that taught you things like balancing checkbooks and and but home budgeting and how did you know pay bills and how to do these all of that being eliminated tells you all you need to know that it's not about educating you it's not about teaching you how to go through life intelligently it's about indoctrinating you to be a good little slave Mm -hmm. And that's me, it. What, what is, what's the, the, the Carlin quote? I'm going to fucking butcher the shit out of the quote. But it's it's public schooling is about making you just smart enough to push the button and do the things that they need you to do to be productive, but not smart enough to realize that they're educating you only enough to push buttons and be productive. Yeah, it's uh, let me look it up. Something like that. Or there's, there's another one. Nobody's going to give you the education you need to overthrow them. Yeah, it's he said. Uh... <laughs> The reason education sucks and will never be fixed is because the owners, big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions of this country, don't want you to have a fixed education system. Um, he yeah, also they, said... They want you to be just smart enough to push buttons. Yeah. He said uh, there's a region, a reason education sucks. It's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians, they're in irrelevancy. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. 
They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets, and they own all the big media companies so that they control just about all of the news and information you hear. They've got you by the balls. They spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people, people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. You know what they want? Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork, but just dumb enough to passively accept all of these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. If if I did editing or knew how to do editing, that's where I would put the like standing ovation sound effect. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean that I I bring that the end of that quote up so often. Mm. It's a big fucking club, and you ain't in it. It's like the libertarians arguing over fucking border policy or abortion, as if they have a fucking, as if they can change it. Yeah, you don't get a say in this. If you think you get a say in this, if you honestly believe that, I have really bad news for you. <laughs> what's what's the uh, bless your heart? You just want to say bless your heart and pat him on the head. Yeah, like it's <laughs> I, and I use that gif all the time. The the one with the guys going, mm-hmm, and patting <laughs> the other guy on top of the head. Like, all righty, like it's it's one of those things where. Yeah, okay, sure. You get say. You really think that. Okay, yeah. No, let me know how that's working out for you. <laughs> it's you're getting all kinds of decision making, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. No, you don't get any fucking say in any of this. You don't get to control any of this. None of this is up to you. Not really. Uh-huh. They let you think it's up to you, but it is not. Was it the the Lysander Spooner quote? The a man is no less a slave because he may choose his masters every th- four to eight years or whatever. Yeah, every once once in a term of years. Yeah, like that that right there that sums it up. You're not, you know, you're not magically not a slave <laughs> just because you got to choose who's going to dictate things to you. You know, 2015, I was running. I had a um, a second page on Facebook uh, called "Anarchy is Not a Bad Word." And I was making a bunch of memes for it, and it, it got really hot. Like it was like twenty thousand the first year, and um, I posted that Lysander. I posted the, the Lysander Spooner quote, and um, uh, somebody commented about uh, um, anarchy not working and and how that the Democrats are taking over and and this and that. And it was like this whole little fucking tirade, and I responded with, uh, "I hope you get raped in the FEMA camp," and Facebook deleted my page. <laughs> Didn't delete my personal account. My personal account was fine, but they deleted anarchy is not a bad word. Yeah, they I mean, and that's the thing is like they the the people in charge will never let you actually have any decision making. I mean, 
you know, that's I've personally experienced, you know, I've been to meetings of the Republican Party, the local yeah, Republican yeah. Party in a house that was, you know, it's this private party invitation only closed doors. It's all of these people who are currently uh, technically Republicans. But remember, local elections, you're not supposed to have an R next to your name or anything, but they're like local leaders. They're, you know, all of these people. And it was planning out a strategy for the next several years of how they're going to take power back and things. I mean, that's that's where that meeting is where I started to become a full on anarchist. Like I was largely a libertarian at that point, but it was because I said I was a libertarian that they didn't want me. (laughs) That's what I was just going to get to. You said you're a libertarian. They're like, yeah, don't 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 say that. Don't say that out loud. Yeah, they I actually had a guy come up to me and say, well, sometimes you just need to, you know, check your ideology at the door if you want to get things done. What? (laughs) (laughs) They're not principals. They're paper tigers. Yeah. Like, I'm like, are you kidding? And like, that was, you know, and like, I'm still friends with some of the guys who are in the Republican Party here and, you know, and still work with them occasionally on things. But like that, that opened my eyes so much to the futility of politics, because those are the places where real decisions get made. Those are the places where the future of the country gets determined is private parties, closed doors. No one has any access. They do not care what anyone else. The big parties that you're not a part of. Yeah. The ones that I will never get invited to those parties. That's where that gets. That is where that actually gets determined. Your votes, you going to a ballot box is irrelevant and meaningless. My dad actually told me that the other day. Seriously? Seriously. My Trump supporting Republican loving dad. He asked me um, about the Gavin Newsom recall. And I said for the first time since 2012, since I voted for Ron Paul, that I actually voted for somebody. You know, I voted to recall Newsom and I I marked myself down for Larry Elder, who's the the, the black face of white supremacy. So I'm obviously white supremacist now. (laughs) (laughs) You voted for a black man. You're clearly white supremacist. So I told I told my dad, you know, for the first time since 2012, I, I actually I actually voted. You know, I, I get the ballot every every election because I voted in 2012 and it's California and they want that. But so I, I actually voted. I actually voted to recall Newsom and voted for for Larry Elder. Yes. Yes. I I um, uh, continued the continued the system or, or whatever the fuck their catchphrases these days. Um, and my dad's like, you know, that doesn't matter anymore, Jason. And I was like. I I know I I've been telling you that since 2012. <laughs> Holy shit! How the hell? <laughs> and we had a conversation about how um, uh, politics at the at the upper echelon level it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because whoever they get into office isn't going to be able to change shit because they have to go through Congress they have to go through the state Senate through the state house and the state house is like 70 percent Democrat or whatever so they have like. Uh, they have like full veto power, um, and yeah, like my dad actually said, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I mean that's you know the at that meeting, like I was gonna run for state senate, like that was the plan. That was why I was at that meeting was because I was gonna be put up uh, against one of our state senators and run for state senate. And when I said, well, I'm a libertarian, like my principles are freedom for everyone, that precluded me. <laughs> from 
and it's not (laughs) yeah and like i mean and keep in mind at this point you know in time i'm not even a member of the republican party like i was asked to do this i was tapped to do this by people that i knew um a couple of them who wound up running um uh, what's her face uh carly fiorini's campaign actually uh that that following year or that year um like i was tapped for that by them they wanted me to be involved and as soon as everyone else realizes that they're not going to control me that i'm not going to follow the party line that i'm not going to just do what they want me to do i'm out and i get replaced immediately yep like <laughs> it's like the, once the Democrats got in the office, where'd the Black Lives Matter movement go? Yeah, it evaporated. I mean, again, like Biden ran on a defund police <laughs> thing, and then now is like, oh, that's just some crazy fringe thing. No I, one really. I love, I love how he ran on that, and then like two weeks into office, Nancy Pelosi's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> just come on. The number of tweets I see from leftists that are going, I regret having voted for Biden. Yeah. Is mind blowing. Like it's every day there's another 10 or 15 people going, wow, that was stupid. I can't believe I did that. (laughs) And I have news for you. If it had been Trump who won, you also would have wound up regretting voting for Trump (laughs) if you had done that. So guess what? No matter what you do, you're going to regret it. Because you oh. were tacitly acknowledging that you were okay with one tyrant or another. And ultimately, you don't get a say. They don't care. If you if, if voting changed anything, they wouldn't let us fucking do it. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, I mean, with electronic voting now, it's not even paper ballots. Don't have, it doesn't matter. Like, you got, you, you know how easy it is to hack into something like that these days? You don't even have to have to hack into it. You just have to control the people that control the, that control the system. What did uh, Joseph Stalin say? That it wasn't important who voted. It was important who counted the votes. All right, let's get on this last article because we're not going to have time for both of them. Um, Let's talk about disappearing roads. Right? You want to talk about disappearing roads or you want to talk about the uh, the other one? Uh, Let's see. We got disappearing roads or, oh, the word salad thing. Uh, I feel like if we do the other one, I'm going to wind up so fucking pissed. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's such a bad op-ed it's, well, sorry, it's, not, it's not an op-ed It's such a bad article about uh, um, uh, How to persuade gun owners to give up their guns <laughs> Yeah, that's getting weird uh, yeah, Let's do the road one Because okay. uh, uh, We'll save we'll really like that other one for next time Yeah So, alright This is out of Minnesota Another one. Another one, Um, yeah. It's from the Star Tribune. Yes, this is uh, Mora, Minnesota. Uh, Family may be trapped as Minnesota town declares their access road doesn't exist. Yeah, see, this one also pisses me off a great deal, but... Oh, this this is one of those ones that just... It's like you're playing with a little knob and you're like, turn it up to one and then three. And then five. And then, like, the end of the article, like, I got the knob in my hand because I can't turn it up anymore and it broke. Yeah, it's been turned to 11 and you've snapped it off. It's, yeah, it's all right. Uh, uh, the, the gravel road that Renee and Andy Chrisman live on 
uh, the road they drive every day has disappeared. The gravel is still there. But in the midst of a bitter struggle with local officials just outside the central Minnesota Hall or Minnesota City Hillman Township, supervisors informed the Christmans earlier this month that, in their view, their road has ceased to exist. Now it has been officially wiped off the map. The Christmans wonder whether the road will be recognized route for mail for package deliveries. They wonder, too, whether the school bus will still come and pick up their three daughters, age four, six, and eight. Yeah, just remember all, that the school bus isn't obligated to stop at a road that doesn't exist. Most of all, they wonder whether they'll be blocked from their home by the neighbor who now controls the only access to the property, someone who has made it clear he doesn't like the Christmans. It's a classic city versus country, outsiders versus native dispute. On either side, wound up after four years of fighting and none is holding back. Quote, people very much have the attitude that you're from the cities. You didn't grow up here. You don't belong, said Renee Chrisman. How dare you come up here and think you have think you have your road maintained that you pay taxes for? <sighs> Quote, they have this thing that they're way better and smarter than everyone else, says Danny Schmoll, uh, a former township supervisor who, along with his mother, owns the land that the road runs across adjoining the Chrisman's 120-acre property. This is why it is very important to maintain very good relationships with your neighbors. Oh, no, we'll we'll get into this. It's it's not it's not that it's it's the the we'll get into it. Schmuel admits that he's given some thought to barricading the Christmas property. Quote, supposedly I could shut down. I could shut the road down now, said Schmuel, who raised as beef cattle. Quote, I have no intention of doing that. The little girls have to get to the school bus, but I could close that down for Andy and Renee. I would. For Renee Chrisman, the battle has become a matter of principle. Quote, they don't want us to have access to our own home, she said. Quote, we thought, are we going to have to fight this out? Or are we going to have to sit back and let them do this? And this is where it gets really, I mean, it's, it's already bad and you kind of want to pick sides already. This is where it gets really interesting. Yeah. Hornet Street was laid out as a township road in 1904. A half mile dead end leg that runs off County Road 3. Not, fa- not far from Knife's Lake. <clears throat> in recent decades, a few people have lived on it. Mostly it's been inha- uninhabited, or mostly it's been inhabited by the Scholl family, but the Krishman's property at the end of the road has had several different occupants over the years. Andy and Renee Krishman bought the property in 2013 and moved there from Shoreview in 2017, living at first in a small log cabin before building a new home. As their property has been unoccupied for some time, the township had been maintaining and plowing the road only to the Schmoll place, about halfway along its length, leaving the remainder alone. In 2017, that's when they moved there, the Krishmans went to the township meeting and asked the board to begin maintaining the road all the way to their home. That required a vote of all the township electors in attendance. And they were resoundingly refused, according to both the Krishmans and to Ryan Mathens, the township's board chair. The board or the road was in disrepair, and residents thought costing to or the, the cost to fix it would be too high. So okay, so this is according to the county, according to, to the city and the county, this isn't this is a government-owned road that they allowed to go into disrepair because nobody lived at the end of the road. So they were only maintaining half the road to the to the entrance to the small small farm yeah they were actively making the decision to leave the rest of the road 
unmaintained. Yes. And then when they move in and are like, hey, could you maybe do something here? They're like, oh, well, that's just going to be too expensive. Yes. So um, uh, so the Christmans fixed it themselves. Over the next two years, they spent tens of thousands of dollars having the road graded and graveled. They built a turnaround for the school bus, but never went back a second time to formally ask the township for maintenance, because by that time, the dispute had started to heat up. Since the township refused to plow the road to their place, the Christmans did their own plowing, but that didn't please the township either. According to the court documents, the sheriff was called three times to warn the Christmans that plowing a public road is against the law. Wait, so... They could face misdemeanor criminal charges. So first of all, that is that is fucking retarded. That that exists here. Um, it's if you That's if you have a plow truck here in Wisconsin, right? Where the the uh, the town that we're talking about is almost straight straight west of Danbury, which is one of the towns that actually that Lindsay lived in. Um, the she's from up there, up that direction. Um, she says, "Oh, don't you know." Yeah, that's well. Yeah, Siren Danbury, that that area. It's she says. She says, "Oof." Yeah, it's it's <laughs> north of north of the Twin Cities, a ways. Um, it's it's quite north, so there's a lot of snow that happens. But even if the city doesn't plow, like even down here, right where I'm at, if this Lacrosse is notorious for not plowing its roads, right? It's a city, and it doesn't like to plow its roads. Absurd. If I took a plow truck. Right. I had my pickup truck and I got the plow hookups attached to the front of my pickup truck and I just go, screw it. I'm plowing the road myself. And I do that. I can be fined for doing that, for making the road safer for everybody else. That is absurdity number one. Absurdity number two is it simultaneously they are saying that they are not obligated to maintain it. Because it's not a public road, and saying, but if you maintain it, no, 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 it, no, it's it's a public road. It's a public road by their acknowledgement. It's a public road. However, what they're saying is that they don't have the money, or they think that it would be too expensive for yeah. them to ma- for them to maintain the road. For so them the, to maintain so, a road so, so couple, that has been maintained. So the couple <laughs> spent tens of thousands of dollars to maintain their own road. And to plow their own road for the sheriff to come out and. Yeah. It's. I. I mean, it's. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'll, I'll just start reading again. It says, it's according just... to court documents, the sheriff was called three times to warn the Christmans that plowing a public road is against the law that could face misdemeanor criminal charges. It's strange to say the least, the township refused to plow the road, but wouldn't let them plow it either. And here's where this is strategy. We're getting to where this was strategy on the town's part. Because the township council just didn't like them. I mean, that's pretty clear. That's what's going on here, is the township council just didn't like them. So they're not only not plowing it, which means that they're going to plow it themselves because otherwise how the hell are they going to get out of their own fucking house and onto the road? They got, they got kids to get to school. Yeah. So they have to plow it. And on top of that, if they have a mailbox, right? If that isn't plowed, the mail won't get delivered. 
but they're I mean, threatening them if they do maintain it. It's just. <laughs> I'm gonna hazard a guess now. I'm gonna hazard a guess now that the Schmoll oh. family, right, that guy that owns that property that the road runs through, my guess is that he wants the property they live on. There were other consistencies Renee Krishman said, such as. Why did the township grant them a permit to build their house on a road it didn't intend to maintain? Bum, bum, bum. <sighs> there are several ways the township can relinquish a road, and it can be complicated. But one way under Minnesota law holds that if a township fails to, quote, perfect its interest in a right-of-way within 40 years, the road reverts to the landowner whose property is on. I'm going to read that again. So one way under Minnesota law holds that if a township fails to, quote, perfect its interest in a right-of-way within 40 years, the road reverts to the landowner whose property is on. It's that 40-year rule that the township relied on in declaring that it had lost its right to the road, which led to the land reverting, reverting to the Schmoles. Township record, the board said, showed that the portion of Hornet Street leading to the Krishman's property hadn't been maintained in 40 years. Therefore, the township has lost its right to the road. So then, so, so now, so now they're not plowing public property if they don't own the road. Right. That's what I'm saying is, so they're plowing it and they're getting threatened for plowing a public road. That's but not the township is saying it's road. not a public road. Yeah, uh, Andy Christman said that the 40-year rule has been misapplied in this case, that the rule is never intended to cover a road such as his, he maintained. Rather, it is intended to allow loan landowners to recover their rights to roads that were literally forgotten by the time, uh, ancient paths so far gone that they've been overgrown, hidden, or taken over by nature. Right, because if, if there was a road across the section of property and no one's cared about it and almost yeah. half a century and, and it's just it's completely disappeared, there's no way to even know that that road is there anymore, you can't just suddenly show up on my property and say, well, there's a road through here. We have right of way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last year, the Krishmans sued the township uh, in Kennebec County District Court asking that the road be declared a township road and that the township be required to maintain it. In a ruling handed down in June, District Judge Stoney Hilgis ruled in favor of the township. Now the Christian Christmans have lost legal access to their home, the township is offering another option. <laughs> and this is, this was where, like when I was reading through this article, this oh was goodness. where I started like just fucking raging. Oh, like, I'm, I, it's... I laugh to keep from raging like property rights. Property rights are, are like one of my huge things, like like gun rights, property rights, individual liberty. It's it, ugh, like EPA and <laughs> property rights are like well, yeah. the things that I rage against so and this, hard. And this one hits especially close to home for me because I have I have friends, you know, who live uh, in very rural Wisconsin. It's the middle of nowhere that they live and stuff. And they've had fights like this where they've had fights over. Um, they actually I, I have one friend who uh, his property, he built a road, right? He's got highways on either side of his road. He has like 800 acres, something like that. Mm -hmm. 
And he built a road that connected one highway with another on his property so that if he took his, you know, if he wanted to go this way, he could just drive right up. If he wanted yeah. to go this way, he could drive right up. Not a problem, right? He's got big semis that come in to pick up all the grain and everything. They have a, a multi-million dollar operation, um, you know, raising grain for feed for cattle and stuff. So it, but it's a private road, right? He built it. It's, it's, it's connects as a driveway essentially to each highway, but it is not a road. It is not a through road. He had to fight to maintain that it was his private road and not a public road four <laughs> separate times with the County. Oh yeah. We'll get into that one. <laughs> now the Christmas have lost um, legal access to the road or to their home. The township is offering another option as if, as if the township gives a fuck at this point. Yeah, their like, their like, other you, option. Like you, you can't use the road that we recognize as a as as a road that's not a road that if you plow, you're plowing public property, which is a misdemeanor. But you can't use it as a road. And that's that's the thing that infuriates me with the perfected their interest in like. Yeah. But I maintained it. I did this and then I plowed it because you wouldn't. And when you you complained at me for maintaining and plowing a public road myself, therefore you are establishing legally your interest in that and road. You are declaring it's yours. They spent tens of thousands of dollars building. Yeah. Of building a bus turnaround, of leveling, of gravel. Tens of thousands of dollars building this half mile long road that they don't recognize as a road anymore, but yeah, they just decided to find not. them for plowing. Yeah. Okay. See that if, if you, I think that really like, and I'm surprised, well, I guess I, I'm oh. not surprised, but any lawyer would argue you perfected your interest in that road by threatening them with being charged for plowing a yeah, public road. That, that would be my argument too. Uh, but now the Christians have lost the legal access to their home. The township is offering another option. Earlier this summer, it extended a different gravel road on the far side of the Christman land. It told the family they can access their home on that road. If they build a 600 foot long driveway at their own expense through pasture land with a swampy spot in the middle. Which is going to probably cost them forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars. That at would least. cost them thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands. Ornette Christman said, "Quote: the Quote: We selected this option to help the Christmans of the township lost interest in Hornet Street from the forty-year law. The Christmans would have legal access to their property." That is from Martin's, the board chairman. He said in an email, "You fuck. This is the equivalent. This is the fucking equivalent yeah. of." Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with a, well, you had a choice, you know, you could have gone and seen the plans, and if you wanted to protest them, you had a choice. Well, I had to go down three flights of stairs, down a hallway, and it was hidden behind cabinets in a poorly lit room yep. in the basement. That's what this is. This is yep. them going out of their way to make it as hard as possible, but still for themselves going, well, we gave you a choice. Yep. We're trying um, to help you. The Christmas have asked the judge to re-examine and amend his order based on additional information they're offering. The request is pending. Meanwhile, they'll continue living among neighbors 
who they've readily acknowledged don't like them and probably never will. Quote, we're not we're not being treated fairly, Andy Christman said. Quote, the spite train has left the station and here we are. Uh, quote, pretty much everybody has had enough of them now, said Schmoll. I don't expect they'll ever find a friendly face in Hillman Township ever again. Yeah, because, see, and I've lived, I've lived in these places. I have lived in these places, these rural places where it's this this old good old boys club, which Schmoll is part of. And that's what's going on here. This is a good old boys club thing. And well, how dare you not be part of the good old boys club? Mm -hmm. And because you're not part of it, we don't want you. And we are therefore going to do everything we can to get rid of you. And because the town council is also part of the good old boys club and has that protection of law, they can force you out. This is the same sort of situation with the good old boys club, access to a road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Marvin Heemeyer? That spawned Marvin Heemeyer into history. Yeah, sometimes reasonable men. Yeah, and that's it, it's exactly that. And that occurred to me when I read the, well, we have this other road that we'll give them access to. <laughs> if They if did you, the same shit to Heemeyer. Yeah, you, we have this other road you can have access to. If you build it at your own expense. Yeah, and like Heemeyer, <laughs> the response is, but I already spent all this money with access to, to get access to this <laughs> that you told me I had to get access to. That they can't have access to legally now <laughs> that it's, it's so fucking stupid it's so fucking stupid it, it's it's either it's it's either a public road or it's the schmoll's property right if it's if it's if it's the schmoll's property all right just say it's the schmoll's property and let's work on this other thing the the the, the, the township you, should help yep. because they lost the they lost the road in the first place and you know what I would bet is I bet that the township is still sending plows to plow up to the Schmoll's property. Up to the Schmoll's property. Yep. On that road. I would yep. almost guarantee you that's what's going on. And they're still claiming that that part of the road is still their road and uh-huh. not a driveway. But even, to... even though that's on Schmoll's property also. Yeah, but that legally, if that road it has reverted, then they shouldn't be plowing it because that means that they're plowing someone's driveway. Private, private which, property on the taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, which means that they should then be plowing the rest of that driveway all the way to the other family's home. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, and that's that's a really simple legal argument that should work. And the reason it doesn't work is because this is a rural township. This is a rural court. That's what's going on. You need to appeal it high enough that you get it out of the local. And if that doesn't work, there are alternatives. Buy a welder. Ask Marvin. (laughs) Yeah. Buy a welder. (laughs) they have a plow so i mean they got a they got a vehicle capable of doing things you know and the the crazy thing it that's that's such a weird quirk for minnesota law because in wisconsin like there are tons of tons of roads up north right up in the north woods around uh this area like directly east of this area on the other side of the mississippi in wisconsin where you uh see signs at the end of roads that mm-hmm. will say Road not maintained. Yeah, or or end up end up publicly maintained road. So 
it's still a it's still a public road, but they're letting you know, hey, we don't we don't bother with this. Yeah. That's that, that is a thing that happens in Wisconsin. The well, fact no, it's, it's, we, we had we have it here too. The National Forest Roads, State Forest Roads. Um, they'll have a leaving pavement sign, then they'll have another one that says "End of Publicly Maintained Road." Yeah, like that's they. You know, that's a thing that that makes sense. Where you're just like, "Hey, we built this road originally, but." we're not going to maintain this like mm-hmm. the people who live here are the ones who maintain this and so and and you see that a lot you know where i go camping and stuff up by mercer and Minocqua, wisconsin and and boulder junction and stuff you see a lot of um those roads where because in the summer they're open and everything but no one even lives out there in the winter anyway so who cares yeah. so they don't bother and it's just warning you like hey uh there are no there's this is never going to be plowed that's, yeah, that's never going to happen that's that's how it is at the uh, where my friends live in in Wyoming. Um, I'm not going to spit out their their name and whatnot, but um, they live. Uh, it's it's the road. It's, it's it's a gravel road that comes off a main road, and there's like 12 houses on this like two mile stretch of gravel road, and the county doesn't maintain it. So the residents they get together every every fall, and they all throw some money into the pot, and the pot goes to the guy that lives at the end of the road who owns the plow, and when when winter comes. He plows the road. Yep, it's private. It's it's all it's private. It's it's what they do. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and because when people value something, I realize this may shock some people, but when people value something, they will pay for it. What? <laughs> Fucking shocking! I know. All right, let's uh let's yeah. throw some plugs and get out of here. All right, buy Derek's book, buy her crochet pattern. She's like never on here anymore because she's too good for us, but. <laughs> she was visiting family and then all this and that i'm just making excuses for her yeah uh also uh if you want to maintain your beard like a viking keep it soft keep it wonderful everything else you're gonna hit up thebeardstruggle.com use coding danarchist 15 you get 15 percent off of that order from them and you get some really really cool stuff and you get to support me uh, there are a couple of sites that are listed in the description for streetwear things, and you use code inkanarchist25 at those. What else we got? I think we got a couple more. Um, what our T uh, Road to Autonomy magazine? Uh, check them out. Read that. It's cool. It's Pop awesome. Patches. Yep, Poppins patches makes Bad some Moon really Hemp. really awesome patches. Yes, and Bad Moon Hemp, the beard oil from Bad Moon Hemp is the best beard oil I've ever used. I cannot rant Ooh, and rave enough up, about it. She came up with one the other day by accident that she said smells like a campfire. Ooh, I might have to order. And that it's one. like it's like cedar and wood smoke and a few other ones. I'll I'll send you the. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. It's it is truly amazing. The hemp beard oil that you can get from Bad Moon Hemp is absolutely amazing. It permanently transforms your beard. It is absolutely incredible, and you should definitely be checking that out as well. And she takes crypto. Just put throwing that out there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. She's a big oh. proponent of our of our pirate chain, which is. Yes really really private coin that i'm into now yeah i gotta invest in that some i'm, I'm gonna do that I'm gonna i won i won 25 pirate chain the other day on a meme contest nice yeah, yeah. see i gotta, and, I gotta and, and since and since then pirate coin pirate coin has dumped about 20 percent. 
Oh, well, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it a typical crypto. Yeah. <laughs> like all but, the others. You know, it's, if we can build our own economy around it and just disregard everybody else, that that's what the point is. That is the point of pirate coins. So. Can't tax it if you can't find it. Yeah, that's that's the objective. But anyway, check that stuff out. Use the discount codes. Make me very happy. I have another collab and another discount code and another website coming soon. That I think some of our listeners are going to like a great deal as well. On that note, the links to the stories we covered will always be in the description. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Catch you later. See you. Peace.